Hi, I'm Tatiana Antonelli and welcome to another episode of Forward Talks, a podcast about moving towards sustainability. Thanks to our partners, R-Space, for their support. R-Space is the first co-working community designed to connect humans with nature. Find out more at rspace.org. My guest today is Dana Liparts from EcoCoast. Dana's understanding of the marine environment and its preservation actually takes root in her childhood, growing up on the east coast of Australia. Dana moved to Dubai in 2007. It was around that time that the idea of EcoCoast formed, as her co-founder Lachlan Jackson had set up a coastal engineering consultancy for an Australian firm. They were specialising in designing alternative marine structures for coastal protection, so lower impact, more sustainable structures. And what he was finding was that nobody was capable in the UAE of, of building those structures. And at that point, it was about 2009, we, we both decided to, to start EcoCoast. And what we found over the first few years was that regulation was starting to, to come in. So we'd be working on projects and, and municipalities would be starting to put in marine protection regulation. It was around about 2011 when a UN report came out that basically said that the coastal development along the Gulf Coastline was doing catastrophic damage to to the coastline and so that's when really kind of marine protection and and coastal protection came on the agenda and 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 for us as as a business that's where we really really started to grow and and find our niche. When you talk about coastal uh, marine protection what does that mean where do we need the protection and what is the protection about? We look at a uh, the life cycle of a coastal or a marine development. So take uh, Blue Waters Island for, for as an example. During the development that, of that island, which didn't exist, there will be dredging work that will happen and that will have that may have a negative impact on the marine environment. And so there's a need to put marine protection barriers, floating marine protection barriers around that development when it's being constructed and at various stages of the development. So next you'll you'll protect it um, from the waves, etc. You'll then build infrastructure like marinas. Uh, you'll then operate it. So hotels will be de- developed on that, on that uh, island and you'll need to maintain the beaches, etc. And every single stage of a development there are opportunities for more sustainable marine solutions. And for us, you know, it's it's so important to protect the marine environment. We've got over 70% of our earth is covered in ocean. Uh, we have 40% of the world's population, they live on the coastline. So if you look at Dubai, in the last 10 years, we've added 6% to the coastline. So that's over 120 kilometres to the coastline. Globally, the the figures are something like 40,000 kilometres have been added to the coastline. And so this trend, it's not going to stop. But there is a balance to be had between our ambition, our human ambition to live on the coastline, but also our obligation to protect it. That's where we really, really focus on, on how can we offer solutions to protect the marine environment in a sustainable way, such that we can also live and enjoy the coastline. So when you say that your solutions are sustainable, Mm -hmm. how can I compare them to not sustainable, not so sustainable solution? What is your edge? 
I'll give you an example of one that has an alternative. So, for instance, we first started with designing uh, alternative coastal protection solutions. So normally you'll, you'll walk along the coastline and you'll see big rock walls that are, that, are, that are essentially protecting the coastline from washing away. So we design coastal protection structures from a geosynthetic material. They're essentially really, really big sandbags. So we're talking, you know, five tonne up to 20 tonne sandbags. So we use the natural sand that's occurring on the coastline to fill the sandbags and create protection structures as opposed to quarrying rock 100 kilometres away, trucking it, dumping it, something that's not natural, that's not occurring there. And the geosynthetic sandbags, they also can create artificial reefs. They can generate seagrass, soft corals. So you're recreating ecosystems within, within the marine environment. Yeah, that's exactly right, as well as at the same time. So again, it's this kind of double bottom line where you're being good for the environment, but you're also you know, being good for business because these solutions as well, you're using local materials, it's a lot more cost effective. And your solutions then can stay, for example, or you need to remove them? No, no. I mean, we you, you can use them as temporary solutions. So we, we, we do quite a lot of jobs where instead of constructing a temporary, you know, um, barrier with rock, you'll use these geosynthetic containers as a temporary solution or you can use them as a permanent solution. So that's, that's an example of, of where we offer a more sustainable alternative. Uh, I guess, on the other hand, the alternative for some people is doing nothing. So in 2018, EcoCoast was recognised at the Gov Capital Awards. They won the Business Innovation of the Year Award and were joint winners of the Sustainable Business of the Year Award. There were two elements to to our our submission and the reason for us winning the award. Uh, The first was our work with the Ocean Cleaner. So around the world, there are five garbage patches and the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is the largest, has garbage floating in it that is five times the size of France. So incredibly, incredible amount of mostly plastic and other marine debris. And about five years ago, a very young entrepreneur uh, decided that he wanted to clean the world's oceans of plastic. And, and, and I feel that this was very much the tipping point for the world's focus on plastic pollution and marine protection. So he, he, he came out and said, I want to put a very big barrier in the Pacific Ocean and I want to clean up the plastic. And everyone thought he was absolutely mad and said it cannot be done. The Ocean Cleanup worked with industry leaders for, for many, many years to develop a, a barrier that was, would withstand these conditions. And so, you know, this is a barrier that needs to withstand four metre waves. It's in, I think it's four kilometre deep water just, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, and they they had what they call uh, many, many EULOs, which which stands for Unintentional Learning Opportunities, which I think is a really cool, cool um, phrase. And once we heard about these EULOs, we reached out to them in 2017 and, and said, uh, we can help you. We're not just the largest manufacturer of marine protection barriers in the world, but we also manufacture the strongest. And we said, okay, so this is, you know, 100 times <laughs> what we do, but the engineering and, and the methodology is the same. Let's, let's collaborate on this. 
And so here in Amalquain, in our, our production facility, we designed and manufactured uh, the, the first system, System 1, that was launched off the coast of San Francisco in September last year. That's amazing. I didn't yeah. know it was produced here. Yeah, and, and this is something we're really proud of. You know, this is a UAE company having impact on a global scale yes. and all of our team, it was a, a you know, team-wide effort. They were on such tight timeframes. Once we did the testing in the North Sea, we did various testing and we determined that it worked and it would hold together, it was all systems go. And so our team out in Amal Quain and our engineers and, and basically the entire company, we manufactured the system in two and a half months where we estimated it would take four months or more doing double shifts, but because of their timeline, we needed to get it done and it was it was incredible. Feedback to date that the screen system that, that we manufactured, the underwater water system, has performed as planned, um, which is fabulous. Obviously, you know, they're, they're having a few issues now with the floating part of the system, but in the grand scheme of things, what they have achieved with putting, A, putting a marine barrier in that part of the Pacific Ocean is is just incredible. It's truly pioneering. And what they've also done for putting marine sustainability on the public agenda is that's their legacy, you know? True, everyone was talking about this because first it was coming from youth. He was very young mm, when very. he got this idea. And, and everyone got involved. When something seems to be impossible, we all try to, you know, put those efforts together and show that actually we can change things around and and do good. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, he was he was so young. He dropped out of university and it's this kind of blue sky thinking, you know, blue ocean thinking. And all of the industry experts just said, you know, basically you're mad. It's not going to work. And to an extent, that's why we exist. So our core purpose at EcoCoast is to pioneer. So everything we do is an evolution of an existing idea or it's a new idea, it's better, faster or stronger. And for us, if we can also create here in the UAE and the Middle East in this region, if we can help to create a more pioneering marine industry, then that can be that can be our legacy. Can we put these barriers to maybe in the Arabian Sea or in the Gulf of Oman? Would that be possible? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we, we do have them. So on dredging projects, for instance, that is specifically for, for development, but any kind of debris we can manufacture barriers to protect the marine environment. And we have to date, I was working out the other day, so if you essentially drive from Dubai to Doha, I think it's about maybe 600 kilometres or something like that, we've installed around the world marine protection barriers in you know over 600 kilometres along the coastline to protect the marine environment. The results that we've received back from the ocean cleanup means that we can be putting marine protection barriers in more offshore conditions to protect the marine environment with, you know, the, the more ambitious developments that, that are inevitably going to happen. Is this also applicable, for example, to industries such as oil and gas? A, a lot of our clients are uh, oil and gas customers or clients working on those projects. And so I think it's something that a lot of people don't hear about, but municipalities, environmental authorities for, you know, for the last five to 10 years have been very much focused on sustainable marine 
development and marine construction. So we supply marine protection barriers to majority of the big projects, oil and gas, industrial, industrial projects, so desalination plants, all of that kind of thing. So it's not just about dredging, it's not just about um, kind of human development and recreation and tourism or leisure developments, it's also about industrial development as well. Definitely, because we don't see actually the extent of the impact we're yeah. having on the ocean and the, the sea locally. And if you think that here the sea is beautiful mm. and uh, somehow we're, we're building so much and lots of people are concerned about the health of the, of the coast. And if you also, from a purely kind of economical perspective as well, think about the ocean economy and the money that it brings to individual countries, I think I was reading the other day that they estimated in 2010 that the ocean economy was worth $1.5 trillion and they estimate by 2030 it will be double that, so it would be $3 trillion. So it's a no-brainer that it's absolutely important for us to protect our marine environment. It's also important from an economical perspective as well to be protecting our ocean industries. No, of course. Actually, I was reading that the oceans produce 70% of the oxygen uh, we breathe in the, in the world. We often think about the forests in the Amazons, thinking these are the major source of oxygen and we forget totally about the ocean. And so I was telling my children, every 10 breaths you take, seven come from the ocean. And this blew their mind and my mind mm. because somehow we've never been educated thinking about the oceans this way. Such a, such a huge resource. It's only relatively recently that it has really come onto the public agenda and a lot of people think it's just plastics and, and my goodness, the plastic problem is a huge, huge problem, but it, it's broader than that. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. It's a holistic, it's a very long-term solution and it takes a lot, a lot of people to, to be focused on it. So it is great that it is now on the public agenda, even if it was, you know, the ocean cleanup that really contributed to it or, um, or the plastic issue that contributed. The fact is that it is on the, the public agenda. And as if all of this wasn't enough, last year EcoCoast launched yet another project to help combat plastic pollution in the oceans called Waste Shark. Waste Shark is the world's first autonomous uh, data and waste collection vessel or drone is really what it is and it's designed to essentially it's designed for urban waterways to collect plastic debris before it enters our oceans and becomes a bigger issue so it's really tackling the issue at the source and again it comes back to that holistic um, multifaceted approach to this solution it's not just about cleaning up the oceans it's also about stopping the, the debris from getting out in the, into the oceans in the first place. The idea is that it becomes a part of the Internet of Things. And, again, you're having that double benefit of you, you're protecting the environment, but you're also collecting data about the marine environment or about the air quality or potentially surveillance as well. It, it has There's multiple uses for it. And for us, we find that for our products and solutions to really have impact, the reality is they need to not just be good for the environment. They need to add so much value to the end user that the end user is willing to pay for them. 
and, and, and that's how we approach all of our products and solutions. It's not just anymore we don't have the luxury of sustainability for sustainability's sake because it's particularly in these markets where, you know, the economy isn't, it's not like 2006, 2007 where everything was booming and money was everywhere. Now everyone's saying, okay, well, what's my, what's the bottom line for me? And so if we can be offering solutions that have basically the best of both worlds that are good for the environment, but also offer value, whether it's financial value or it's another amount of value to the end user, then that for us is is a product or a solution that is truly sustainable. So I've seen um, the Waste Shark in action Mm -hmm. and um, you launched it in Dubai Marina. Just to give our listeners a better idea, how big is it? It's about 1.5 metres long and it's about almost a metre wide. So it is quite a, you know, a decent size device. So it has the ability to capture quite a, a large amount of debris. So when it collects the waste, I mean, there's an opening, which is the mouth, let's say. This waste goes where? Into a net below? Into a cage that's very easy to unclip, to take out, and then to dispose of, of the waste. And the next thing for us, and something that we're focused on, I think it's a bit of a buzzword at the moment, but, you know, the circular economy. So how can we use that, that waste that's collected and turn it into something that's useful? There's um, a a couple of very exciting companies in Holland that are uh, 3D printing out of recycled plastic. So, you know, so think of that, you know, you're, you've got the waste shark that's in the water that's A, collecting data that's feeding back to the, the end user, um, which is of value to them. It's, collect, it's protecting the marine environment, but you're also using that to turn it into something that's useful. That's the vision for, for really closing that loop. You were talking about data, and um, recently uh, with me, with our guests, and also with uh, the latest Gumbuk events, we've been talking a lot about data, how important it is mm-hmm. to gather it, to share it with a waste shark. What kind of data can we gather from a marine environment, from a marina, from mm-hmm. maybe a, a development site? What, what would be, for example, the value for me? A number of things. Um, oxygen levels. For instance, which is incredibly important. So, if you have a, a pond or, or a canal, you know there are certain levels of oxygen that that marine animals need to to live. And if you have a sensor that's measuring that amount of oxygen, then it can feed back that data to the end user to to basically say we have we have a problem. It's getting towards critical levels. We need to investigate. So that's one thing. Turbidity as well, which is a big thing in our industry. So when you dredge up an island or if you do coastal reclamation, it, it creates the sand that, that's churned, creates turbidity in the marine environment. And if you have a sensor to measure those levels of turbidity, you can, you can basically create pre- preventative actions on, okay, we need to stop dredging now because there's too much turbidity being created or you can pick up oil, sensor oil. Okay, we've had an oil spill. Essentially, what, what's very, very interesting for, for um, the way shark for us is how it can prevent negative events, negative marine events from happening. So you can be alerted as a user and you can, you can, you can create a solution before 
it turns into a bigger event. Air quality as well. So this isn't just below the water. It's also you can put sensors that are above the water as well. And do you think these are solutions we, we could bring back to the UAE? Yeah, absolutely. We launched at the end of last year, we launched Ecolabs, which is essentially our marine innovation lab. It's the Middle East first marine innovation lab. And, and the idea behind that is to help us achieve our vision of creating a more pioneering marine industry and solving the world's most pressing marine problems. And part of that is is working with these startups and, and entrepreneurs who have really, really exciting, game-changing ideas or, or products and solutions and working with them to, to scale them, to bring them to market. And that's either uh, startups or entrepreneurs that exist here in the Middle East and helping them to scale and then to export them to the world, or it's also looking at what's happening outside of the region and how can we bring that into the UAE, the Gulf, the Middle East, to, again, stimulate that, that pioneering marine industry. That's all we have for you on this episode. And thank you, Dana, for joining us on Forward Talks. You can find out about the show and links to subscribe by visiting our website, boombook.com, or following us on Instagram. We are G-O-U-M-B-O-O-K. See you in two weeks. Thank you.